Iris threaded her way through the crowds on the main line platform, tiptoeing now and then in an attempt to keep her porter in view. She had not his advantage in being able to carve a way through the throng with two suitcases and a typewriter, and she wished she had asked him to go slowly. He looked round and waited for her. She caught him up and walked beside him down a flight of steps along an underground passage and up some steps at the other end. A little breathless, she reached the top and looked round her. Platform five. It was a great change from the scene of confusion and bustle which she had just left. Here was no scurrying. There were scarcely a dozen people in sight, and the shabby train standing alongside looked as though nothing would ever get it to move. Leaves in about fifty minutes, said the porter. Non-smoker? No, and an empty one, if possible, directed Iris. It was gratifying, after the crowded conditions of the mainline train, to have an almost unlimited choice of corner seats. Iris, now in the lead, moved with firm steps along the platform, looking into the carriages. Two women, a man and a woman, one woman, one man. Ah! She stopped and indicated the empty carriage, but the porter, with a jerk of his head, moved her on. Fill up later, he warned. Better near the engine if you want to be by yourself. Here. He opened the door of the last carriage and ushered Iris in, swinging her suitcases to the rack. He received his fee and departed. Iris relaxed. This, she felt, was the way to travel. No crowding forms squeezing her elbows, no clumsy feet ruining her stockings. She leaned back in her seat and watched idly at the forms of passengers appearing at the top of the steps, noting the contrast between their plain country appearance and the elegant travellers she had left behind in the express. The train filled slowly, but nobody disturbed Iris's privacy. She glanced at her watch. Thirty minutes to go. She would get out a book, and... There was a slight clatter, a minor disturbance which would have been unheard on other platforms, but which made a distinct ripple on the serenity of number five. Iris, looking at the steps, saw on the topmost a small boy. He was carrying so many parcels that it was difficult to see how he managed to get up at all, but he had achieved the ascent, and only one parcel had detached itself and clattered down again. An aged porter, following with a Gladstone bag, and an armful of parcels almost as numerous as those carried by the boy attempted to retrieve the fallen one and found it impossible. The boy turned, and a kindly woman following with a large basket picked up the parcel and, holding it, walked beside the boy, who smiled at her gratefully. A stray puppy entangled itself in the boy's feet, and two more packages fell onto the platform. A burly countryman picked them up and added himself to the little procession, and Iris saw, with horror and dismay, that the entire party was directing its steps, guided by the boy, toward her carriage. They came nearer. There was a pause, and Iris had a moment of hope. It was only, however, a short halt to pick up another package. Then nearer, and nearer. Blast! said Iris. The old porter wrenched open the door. The boy was in filling the rack with his assortment of luggage. He leaned out, relieved the man and the woman of his property, and dragged off a green cap with white lines. I say, thanks, he said. The man and the woman, Iris saw with thankfulness, were moving away. But the boy remained, 
and, with a feeling of dismay, she remembered Caroline's words regarding the boys' school. Green caps with white lines. Castle Ambo. But there was no hope of his getting out earlier. The boys' destination was her own.'